It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael, myself, or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Dr. Tim Hayes is with us. Gail is with us. This is Recovery Wednesday. Uh, if Dr. Androcki or Terry or any of the others who normally join us on Recovery Wednesday are on the switchboard, if you would hit one, that will bring you up to the top of the list, and I'll know that you are there. Today is Wednesday, April the 13th, 2016, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Welcome, everybody. Uh, We're honored uh, that you're with us once again. Are, are we, are we, have you found me, Jeannie? You are, you are on, yes. Go ahead. I had muted you because I could hear the rattling and stuff going on in your background, but I clicked you on oh. in time, so we heard you. <laughs> Go for it. Oh, great. Okay. Wonderful. So we have a beautiful sunny day here in Ellenson, Florida, and uh, an interesting show lined up with the uh, the idea of recovery being that uh, it's time for us to each return to the truth of who we are, to recover in our physiology and in our relationships and our lives the presence of love, the truth of human life. And last week we had some interesting discussion. And so uh, with that discussion, the questions that came up were about uh, different aspects of, of recovery, and we had some questions on the, uh, in the earlier in the week about sugar and some experiences to share with sugar uh, withdrawal and uh, just different aspects of, uh, of that whole recovery game. And Gail had come up with, a, uh, with the idea of, um, of answering some of those questions from a 12-step perspective so I'm going to go right ahead and in, invite Gail to uh, to just chime right in and uh, and share uh, the questions that uh, that she heard loudest last week and had some input for. So Gail, welcome. Welcome. I mean, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank Delighted. you. 
Um, I just wanted Bill to know that I heard him last week when he was asking um, asking his questions about uh, sugar and wanting some input about sugar addiction. And I did have an answer for him, but um, the format of uh, the other things that we were addressing last week, I, you know, I was thinking that his questions needed to wait, so I didn't address them last week. Um, my my um, perspective and my experience with sugar addiction is that sugar is my first love. I discovered that um, very early, and I remember um, its effect and how it felt and how it um, anesthetized the pain. And then I remember um, when Princess Diana was talking about her eating disorder and she said that it happened for her about the age of eight that she was very conscious of food and and body image and all the images in magazines and trying to emulate that um and that made i reflected that that was happening for me about that same time about the age of eight and um and sugar is readily available and um, it's easier to get a hold of a cookie and maybe a two liter of soda rather than digging in parents' um, medicine cabinet or to dig in. Um, I didn't do that. I was, it was more about the, the liquor cabinet and trying to um, conceal how much liquor I was consuming or um, the wine bottles that were in the refrigerator. So it, sugar was easier. And it was effective, and it got to the place where um, alcohol was more effective in the teen years. But there was more there was more consequences for alcohol for me. So my um, my experience with twelve step groups, based on on my sugar addiction and um, the consequences for me with that was weight. By the age of nineteen, I started to gain weight. And, um, of course, the body image and the whole, you know, obsession with weight. And I did participate in throwing up of food um, in order to maintain weight. I also participated in um, amphetamines. Amphetamines um, in the form of meth, uh, not the kind of meth that is manufactured now, but the kind of meth that truck drivers were using in the 80s. Um, they call it phosphorus meth, and I really liked that. Um, I was able to concentrate. I was able to um, lose a significant amount of weight, have no appetite, and so it, it served a lot of purposes. And for me, food also, there was like a food, food and chemical addiction and my addiction to the attention that I got from men and sex all went together, you know, wanting to be at a good weight, have a good body image in order to connect to men, but not being able to connect to men. So had to be drunk and anesthetized in order to connect. And, and the cycle was just, it was pretty bad. It was a pretty bad revolving door for me um, with all that. And then the shame and guilt based on that, that false connection to men and sex would create the need to binge eat and then the shame connected to that would be, you know, drinking. And it was it was a huge spiral for a very long time for me. I would say from probably 19 to about 32, that continuous cycle. And it was a matter of break, 
breaking down individual addictions, you know, first the alcohol and then then the other addictions could be addressed. Sugar addiction has been the hardest addiction and I have not it it's I'm aware of it. Um and I um take a breath. I have not been able I have yeah, I have not been able to Gone, I've gone to 12-step groups. I started in the late 80s going to 12-step groups to address my um, my sugar addiction, and I learned a lot about how sugar is one carbon link away from ethyl alcohol. I mean, they're they're so close in molecular structure. I, I was like, I'm not saying this right. There you go. Um, I got it. And they're so... They're so close, and then I also learned in Overeaters Anonymous um, how um, we need to abstain and, and from from sugar and white flour, and they also open it up to other things that that cause that binge drinking and or eating, and um, and to constantly be aware. And I addressed this again. I was bouncing in and out of Overeaters Anonymous from the ladies. And then I, I finally, two years ago, before I was introduced to this work, addressed it. Um, because I, I followed a woman that I knew where she was going to be. She would come to open AA meetings as a, um, a supplement to her overeaters anonymous meetings, because I live in South central Illinois, which is very rural and, and, um, uh, Resources um, for different 12-step groups um, are, are not available here. And um, so I knew where she was going to be on a Thursday night at an OA meeting, and I asked her to be my sponsor immediately because I was very I, – I loved her program. I loved what she did. I loved what she said at open meetings. And, um, and she gave me suggestions, and I um, – um, she was. She's very strict about what she does. She wants you to submit a food plan first thing in the morning, and she has very specific times when she wants you to talk to her, and when she's available. And I um, um, was very uh, resistant to her suggestions, even though I knew that she would be the best person to take me through the steps, and would, just was not in a place to to give up sugar yet. So I, I just wanted um, others to know that, you know, I'm I'm not perfect in the 12-step world, and I, I definitely still have have issues to address and um, that I have had resistance. And um, I'm hoping this summer, the, the best chances that I've had, the, the longest I've been able to abstain from sugar is when I've been at um, an intensive with you and Jeannie and I've worked on this work where the sugar is removed unless I want to drive to Theodosa in the middle of the night <laughs> or, or jump over the counter and grab that Pepsi. No. Um, that, yeah. It, when we were in Kissimmee 2015, um, you know, that, that Pepsi, that line of soda that was behind the counter at, at that hotel or, or, you know, drive in, um, that that has been the longest I've been able to abstain from sugar, and that's because 
of of the structure of the intensive and the support and um, the food that has been available, and um, and then the invitation to emulate that at home. So that's that's what I wanted to offer is is that struggle for me as well. And and giving giving up sugar is it is a um, a comfort. It is um, there are so many things tied to that, it, t- tied to the sugar, tied to the food, and um, and it's so subtle for me. It's it's a very subtle addiction. And um, anyway, I need to get to that place, and that's probably going to require a lot of worksheets to be able to make that that commitment again to go back to O-Readers Anonymous and, and um, come at it from at least two different directions, the Aramaic forgiveness and and coming at it at a 12-step perspective as well. So that's what I wanted um, to share. Cool. Well, there's, um, there's one physician that's uh, called Sugar the New Crack Cocaine, and uh, mm. they're saying that the more sugar, especially, that's consumed, the reward receptors get numbed out, and so it takes more and more to create the high and just creates that deep downward spiral. And, of course, because the body readily converts that sugar to fat, hence one who files into one of those uh, downward spirals is just going to load on the weight, and uh, it really creates such a challenge and uh, such difficulty. And I understand Dr. Andraki's in the background. He may have some thoughts in that direction. Stephen? Good morning. How are you this morning, sir? I'm fine. Uh, good morning, Michael, Jeannie, and everybody. Uh, I'd like to just shift the conversation, if uh, you would allow, to uh, another area that one that I've been trying to um, to speak about when I do call in, and that's uh, trying to develop or developing, and forget the try part, developing uh, an introductory step for people with uh, opioid addiction to let them cross that first uh, step. And I'd like to bring a case uh, a study uh, or, or, or what actually happened uh, last night um, to light and see if uh, you can add some, uh, some thoughts about this and we can make a segment to uh, on the website that I can direct people to when they first start the program. Uh, is that great? Right. Okay. Let's go for it. So I had a 25-year-old man who started uh, uh, using uh, pills when he was 11. He uh, had a shoulder injury. Doctors gave him more and more pain medicine. He became addicted to opiate intoxication, um, uh, felony charges. Uh, he was uh, using heroin. He had stopped for 11 months one time. He had gone to, he says, hundreds of AA and NA meetings. And he ended up um, getting caught for the third time with possession of heroin and did 12 months in jail. He got out. He was clean for two weeks and went right back to heroin. He's using heroin now. He's working. He's saying, I can't do this. He says, I can no longer function. I spent all my money on drugs. I don't have anything. I just got out of jail. He says, I need help. And when I talk to him and do the intake, uh, he says, there's something wrong with my brain. My brain wants heroin more than anything else, more than to keep him out of jail, more than to save money, more than get his life back together. It needs heroin. 
and there is something wrong with his brain, and you know what that is, Michael, and you can probably express it better than I can. I, uh, I, 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 with my knowledge uh, of the program so far, it said if you're right, there is something wrong with your brain. You have to program out. You have to remove, it and uh, let your uh, your underlying program, which is uh, which is uh, just right, just perfect for you, take control. So at some point, uh, for somebody like this gentleman who came in, uh, I'd say I want you to go to the website and I want you to listen to uh, start here now under the uh, Recovery Wednesday. There's an introduction to your brain and uh, how you can understand that you have everything you need to continue life without drugs or heroin so that uh, so that we can set the stage for him to either be engaged or not be engaged because for him, he says, AA and a didn't work for me. Uh, I will go back to them. I'll do whatever you want me to. And he may or may not come to my uh, support group because of, of, of work. He has to get his, uh, his um, schedule changed. But here's a, here's a gentleman who has every opportunity to come to me and saying, I need to stop, I want to stop, <laughs> but there's something wrong with my brain. Can you talk just from the addiction perspective what may be wrong with his brain and maybe what uh, uh, 10 minutes of explanation can mean to have him uh, decide whether he wants to be engaged into the forgiveness program or uh, other options for him? Does that sound uh, like a fair question? Well, let's uh, let's move in that direction and see what we come up with. You know, I've uh, I've suggested on the show before, and it's a become a, a perennial favorite at uh, intensives now. Uh, a movie called Thanks for Sharing, and what the um, the movie shows so perfectly, and there's it, it's actually about sexual addiction, but there are several other you know multiple addictions, which you know is, is certainly on the table for today. And um, and what happens as people aren't getting what they want? You know, their lives are going along and everything is, you know, I've got what I want. I've got everything I want here and things are rocking, so everything's fine. Until some sometimes a primal infantile goal is frustrated. And once that goal is frustrated and the, the interesting uh, – thing that they show in this movie thanks for sharing is each time and there's several different characters in the movie that are uh, addicted to something and each time prior to falling off the wagon so to speak going back to their primary drug each of them uses hostility each of them moves into more and more you know some cases it starts out with a gentle frustration and then into full-blown rage until there's just so much pain moving in them that all they can do is find whatever their anesthetic is and shutting it down and so first order business to me is always to look at what is it that I want here? You know, the Course in Miracles gives a, a powerful one one line response, and it says, "You must be aware of the distorting power of the way you want it to be." And when I want something to be different than the way it is, then my mind can create all sorts of drama and trauma and perceptual 
aberrant images that literally, one would say, drive them to drink or use whatever it is. And so the first order of business to me would, would always be what's the goal that's driving my behavior now? We don't have a behavior without goals. So if it's heroin, if it's cocaine, if it's sugar, whatever it is, there's always a goal that leads one to that behavior. And, you know, if one can get their lives, quote, unquote, together, and, of course, one who's thinking if I just get my life together, then everything will be fine, is in a state of denial because they think that it's got to do with their lives. And, and the truth is it doesn't have to do with your life. It's got to do with what you want in any given situation. What's the, um, the result? What's the constructive result? You know, it might be for, you know, that guy or that girl to give me attention. Well, if what that goal drives in the context of uh, Gail's earlier conversation is, well, I want them to find me attractive, then it might drive me to starve myself. It might drive me to, uh, to fill my body with something that tastes good and satisfies my senses and anesthetizes me. And then it might be me to lead me to stick my finger down my throat so I empty my stomach so I don't put on weight and I'm still attractive. And so the goal behind that whole process is well, I want that person to be attracted to me. And always refining the the understanding of our own goal mechanism and being able to specifically touch into what is it that I'm looking for here. In this film, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a powerful study of goals and how when people are having all their goals fulfilled, they don't need their drugs, they're going to their meetings, and everything is cool. But once they've got a goal and the goal isn't being fulfilled, the addictive behavior kicks in. So I'd offer that it isn't something wrong with the brain, so to speak, but, but rather is something wrong with what drives the perceptual system to bring forward the behavior that, and, and in a, a driving sort of way, I have to have relief from this stress that I'm feeling. And when I can look at the goal behind the stress because the mind never is stressed unless it has a goal and we can anesthetize against the pain that comes out of not fulfilling that goal and say that makes me feel better but the driver is always there for the behavior that is using when I can find the goal underneath it all and it might be you know for a young man at 25 it might be the, the driving need for, you know, daddy to approve of me or for mom to, you know, take care of me or for, you know, who knows? It's as variable as there are humans. But I'd say that's the basic bottom line that everybody with, with any kind of behavior disorder, I don't care what it is, to, uh, to look at the goals that they hold and to begin to manage their goals, begin to strengthen their spiritual ability to determine what drives their minds and their behaviors. And in particular, you know, there are basically five different things that this spiritual faculty, it's called will, can do. And there's where the real defect is. And the, the will faculty can frame a goal, set a goal, maintain a goal for immediate attention. It can cancel a goal. And there's the biggie in our culture 
we have been taught we're such a goal-oriented, you've got to produce, 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 such a goal-oriented culture that you've got you've to do something, you've got to do something, you've got to do something, you've got to do something, become a human doing. And so the ability to cancel a goal so that when it's creating a stress that's, that's got so much pain attached to it that I can't help but anesthetize myself, I can free myself by canceling this goal. And then the fifth thing, just to round out the faculty of will that will can do, is it can select a goal for immediate attention. You know, this morning I had framed and set a whole, or framed last night a whole set of goals, and this morning I set them, and I can select which one I'm going to achieve at the moment. And, and as one practices, and we've got a worksheet on our website, if you go to whyagain.org, and uh, there's a red and white bullseye, if you you might have to scroll down the page a little bit. You click on that and look down the list for the Mind Goal Management Sheet. And it's about strengthening those five spiritual faculties. And it's not so much, my take would be, it's not so much saying no to the drug as it is learning to cancel, and this can be a whole new exercise for someone who, you know, Maybe someone's brought up in a pampered world where all they had to do was have a whim and daddy or mommy were right there to fulfill it and they got everything they wanted. So they never even started to comprehend what canceling a goal was or not having a goal fulfilled. And then the pain, you know, having moved out to a world that doesn't play quite the way mommy and daddy did, uh, you know, that the world doesn't just kowtow to fulfilling every need just brings up so much pain in me that, I have no other option but to anesthetize that pain. And what canceling a goal does is it collapses the perceptual output that drives the behavior. And once that's collapsed, what happens is when the, the, the surface mind, you know, the world of psychology pretty much has taught us that 90 to 95% of our psychological processes are unconscious. They're, they happen out of awareness. And these driving needs come from that place that for most people is simply out of awareness. And the way to gather awareness of what's beneath the surface is when in this situation where I can see that I'm going to use next and I can use, I can try all the willpower in the world to stop that. It's not going to do it. But when I can cancel the goal to have this thing fulfilled, what happens is at that moment my perception collapses and I, I get to drop into the hidden part of my mind, the part that I never let myself see. And when, with love, I can bring that hidden part of my mind forward to the presence of love, that part that holds so much trauma and pain literally begins to dissolve from the mind from the physiology. And there is a corresponding change in, if someone were watching the chemistry, a corresponding change in the chemistry in the system when that change occurs. And there's the core of forgiveness from the first century Aramaic. If somebody wants to really take a look at how that uh, process works, the, the easiest way to get to the link, there's a 24-minute uh, video of a uh, PowerPoint presentation that Bill Costantino did. Thank you, Bill. If you go to the homepage, whyagain.org, on the right-hand side are all of the uh, social media links, and the bottom one is a red square with a little arrow in it, which is a 
the YouTube link, and if you click that and look down for the PowerPoint and click that, it will walk you through the collapsing of and, and this is a process I couldn't explain until the last five or six years. I'd worked with the tool for 35 years and developed it, but never really could see and understand how it worked. And this will give people an insight into how it works, which I think helps to inspire people to go ahead and put the tool to work and and uh, drop into to and it, it can take such courage when you start dropping into that part of your mind because. The, the whole system says, no, 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 I don't ever go there. And I might be dealing with something that is even genetic, that, you know, in the case of this young man with the, uh, the arm problem and the pain pills, that whole situation may have brought up something that goes back generations that has such pain and seems so unresolvable, but, and until one drops into it. We had a young lady at Heartland last summer who uh, – who had a, a situation where she's doing a worksheet and all of a sudden she's got all these feelings of, of sexual abuse coming up and she's never been sexually abused. And we asked her to stop and take a breath and ask what that's about. And, and she gets a full-blown image of her mother who passed, or pardon me, her grandmother who passed before she was the age of four. So she had only some shadow rememberings of her grandmother. But her grandmother came to her full-blown, full face and explained how her, her grandfather had sexually abused her all their married lives. And all of a sudden, all of these feelings that are so disturbing and so uncomfortable and for many people would lead to, I need some kind of relief from this, some kind of substance to, to stop this pain, all of a sudden that stuff drains away. It's called forgiveness, the removal of what never belonged. And I'm going to invite uh, Dr. Tim to come in on the conversation and see if he has any thoughts in that regard. Well, in, in reference to what Dr. Andraki was talking about and, and your, your talk about canceling the goals, I think it's so apparent that we are not taught correctly how the mind works. And that's what leads to so many of these drives that that we're calling cravings. And one of the things that I've seen have powerful transformations for people is using the mind-body energy techniques in association with the craving, which is right in line with canceling the goal. It's not trying to change the craving. It's accepting that it's there tuning into what the physical sensation in the body is and using an acupressure technique with breath work to just sit with the sensation of the craving and to focus on loving and accepting yourself even though you're having the craving and with people doing EFT tapping or breath work or the faster EFT tapping and then, after a round or two of doing that, where basically all they're doing is asking to be shown what's going on inside of them, rather than just reaching for the drug, many people experience that there's a shift in the craving, a decrease in the craving, and then when they're thinking about the drug of choice or actually have it in their hands, it doesn't smell the same, it doesn't look the same, it doesn't taste the same. So they can demonstrate to themselves that what Dr. Andraki is asking about, what's wrong with my brain, that it isn't just a brain issue, it's an entire energy flow issue. 
And if I have a disruption in my energy system that's connected to thought, that's connected to unachieved goals, that's hiding from me an actual traumatic energy or a disruption in the energy flow itself, if I'm willing to sit with it and breathe and ask to be shown something about it, it starts to shift right there on the spot. So that would be my input. Powerful. Well, two things then, Dr. Tim, would be one, maybe you could briefly explain the uh, the tapping procedure that assists, you know, hitting the acupressure or energy points in the body that help the energy to move and or where they could go to YouTube to uh, to find some information on that. There's powerful stuff. The two places that I refer people to are the creator of EFT tapping, Gary Craig. He still has his website up, Emo Free, E-M-O com. That's some of the highest quality stuff and lots of it free. The other thing you can do is go to YouTube and search for Faster EFT Robert Smith. And there are hundreds of videos he has up there. And it shows people, you know, it's free and it shows you where to tap and how to tap and the kinds of things to say. And, um, I think that's better than trying to explain it over the phone. But So emofree.com and Faster EFT on YouTube. Robert Smith, Faster EFT on YouTube. Awesome. Great input. Thank you, Tim. Dr. Andraki, does that uh, fit with your question? It does, and so here's what I'm taking from this. I'd like to... Um, ask Jeannie if she could put this uh, section onto the uh, Recovery Wednesday, as well as uh, I'm going to package this segment along with the PowerPoint presentation, as well as a uh, recommendation to watch the movie, Thanks for Sharing, as well as the list of the radio shows that talk about the worksheet process and try to get a package together that uh, perhaps other providers in in dealing with the uh, opioid addiction can use um, as a package, even though they may not have a support group uh, available, and to be able to start working through this. This is my goal: is to be able to to provide uh, a uh, an opportunity for people to do their work who may not have AA, NA, uh, who may not have a support group available so that they can start their recovery process uh, with or without medication-assisted therapy. So this is the direction that uh, I had in mind, and this is uh, how it's forming. So I appreciate uh, your and yours and Tim's input, and uh, I'll work towards doing this because the addiction the addiction um, uh, physicians are, are, are begging for other ways to approach addiction issues, and indeed, if this is uh, if this is a, a, a as powerful as we all believe it, and we can uh, be able to package this and make this more available to people, we can reach uh, a lot of people and to assist in the recovery, especially in the initial stages of saying, uh, "What's wrong with me? What are my options? What direction can I move into?" and to be able to get the supporting words and understanding where their pain is coming from 
and how they can uh, just move into uh, who they really are, which is the uh, the essence of wealth. So I appreciate all your thoughts and uh, comments, and, uh, and I'll do my best to piece this all together for my patients. Cool, and you know, perhaps at some point we could uh, create a uh, maybe a weekend or week long conference for providers and uh, offer the support. That would be awesome. Let's see if uh, if Gail has any thoughts to add to the conversation specifically as uh, Dr. Andraki asked it. Gail, do you have any thoughts to add? I don't. <laughs> um, okay. My experience is with alcohol and food, and and um, I I lack the experience of opioid addiction. Um, I know that it's appeal, and my my experience and and knowledge of opioid addiction is, I found that with with working with others that are are cross addicted um they're addicted to alcohol and they have op- opioid um issues as well um the the common link that seems to be there is is sexual abuse and um that that has been the common thread that i've i've discovered for myself and um, interesting yeah, Interesting. yeah, and, especially and, heroin. Yeah, and, and then when you tie it together with the question that this young man is asking Dr. Dr. Andraki, what's wrong with me, that's a sexual addiction, or pardon me, a, a, a well, sexual addiction, but also a, a sexual abuse question. The, the young child, especially, who's abused, uh, oftentimes it's, well, there's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm the guilty party. I'm the, the evil one here. And uh, so resolving that, and in, in that case, simply canceling the goal to be right, to be perfect, uh, can be a starting point for one who uh, who's, feels like there's something wrong with them. And as, as the whole perceptual system collapses its output around the belief that there's something wrong with me, then there's room for the truth of my being. You know, the truth of being a human being that's made of this stuff called love has a space to flow in to physiology and be experienced where as long as the mind is producing these perceptions based in some sort of an experience that has me think there's something wrong with me. I'm bad. I'm wrong. I'm, you know, who gave me the message that I was a sinner, et cetera, et cetera, that those things when they're collapsed make a space for being to show up one more time. And of course that question of, uh, of the newborn child, you know, how many have ever held a newborn? And I, I love to ask that question of people who think that love is something they do to themselves or do to somebody else. And and I, I just love to offer the refinement of you're never going to love anybody else and nobody's ever going to love you. If you're looking for it from out there, you're looking for it in all the wrong places. You know, the, the, the person who's looking for it in the opposite sex is looking in the wrong places. And to recognize and, and for anyone who's held a newborn child, when they go to that experience, there's always a smile that comes across their face. And then... I ask the question now, and, and they, they give the answer. So tell me the essence of the newborn, and they give me the answer. Oh, well, well it's obviously love. So, so is that child loving you? 
Is that why you're describing them as love? No, they are love. That's what we are. And making a space for that to flow into physiology, that's the real high that everybody's after and that everybody's pursuing with their drug. And once one takes that high consciously, purposely, then doing the work required to remove everything else so that's where we live becomes the purpose of a lifetime. So, Dr. Adraki, any other thoughts, sir? Is Stephen still with us, Jeannie? No, he dropped off. But we do oh, okay. have a couple hands up. Oh, wait. One Great. Well, then let's say hello. Okay. 207. Hello. Area code 2. Yes. Hi. Hello, Dr. Rice. Hey. How are you? Sounds like Captain. I am well. How are you, sir? I'm fabulous. I'm um, being enlightened more and more every day. And it's amazing. It becomes the purpose of a lifetime, doesn't it? It does. It's amazing that you're talking about sexual addiction today. I've been going through some SA meetings, and I'm learning that my relationships are always great until the sex is um, not as good as it usually is. And every time I have a problem in a relationship, it is sexual-based that um, I think they're sleeping with somebody because I'm not getting the sexual need that I need, so they must be giving it to somebody else. And it's been 100% pretty much. And as long as I'm getting what I need sexually, then I'm okay. They can treat me as bad as they want as long as I'm getting what I need sexually. And I've been learning that. So as long as you're getting your fix. As long as I'm getting my fix, everything is fine. So, yeah. I allow, I allow all kind of things when, as long as I'm getting my fix. That's, so, a, yeah. that's a very poor trade-off in the, in the long run, isn't it? Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible when 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 you see what's going on. And you know, um I've actually caught myself back into the same trap that I always get myself into and I, and, and what I have learned is that's why I disappear for days, weeks and months because I don't want to be I, I know the problem and I, I see that it's there. So I disappear for months to keep it from from being fed, but that's really not the answer either. Well, my offering there would be, my offering there would be, if I think I know the problem and it's not resolved, I don't know the problem. So I'd offer that what you want to keep doing is keep doing the work of collapsing the layers of perception that tell you you've got it figured out because by definition, a human being who knows what a problem is has delivered the problem to love and love has resolved it, and it's done. The mind, however, will say, I've got it figured out. I know what the problem is, and all that needs to happen is this, which, of course, is usually an impossible dream, and that's just, that's just another, um, another output of the mind from the denial. That's just another way to keep ourselves off track and trick. So as long as I'm thinking I've, I know what the problem is and all I have to do is get that fixed, then I'm kidding myself. I don't know what the problem is. And yeah, I want to keep doing my work. 
that's the case, so I have no idea what the problem is. I have no idea what's causing this because it's, it's got to be generational because I've had an issue since 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 before kindergarten. So it must be and that's where the worksheet. It sounds like it probably would be, and and that's where the worksheet process comes in. In and, and this can become, you know, when you get to one of your core issues, you know, they asked this man, Yeshua, 2,000 years ago, well, how many of these darn worksheets do we have to do? Is The question was, is seven enough? And in Aramaic, his answer that comes back is, no, you'll do 77 times 70 worksheets around that issue, which, which is not a literal number. I, I'm sure this group of fishermen weren't standing their heads going, let's see, seven times seven is 49, carry the four. You know, they weren't doing the math. It was beyond them. What he gave them was a number, or he said, you know, you're going to do an infinite amount of work until you're finished with that issue. So it might be resolved today or tomorrow or two years from now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now, but you keep doing your work and peeling away the layers. And the deeper the generational pattern is, the more time is going to be invested in cleaning it up. And the benefit side of it is, is each step I take in my work, I, in doing my inner work and cleaning it up, I get to a new place of that connectedness of love that resolves everything, even though I'm not finished. So I can rest in that place. Yeshua called it the peace that passes all understanding. And it wasn't about an intellectual peace. If, if they do what I want, then I'd be at peace. Then I'd be happy. That would be called peace, but rather a, a peace that comes from being connected to the truth of who you are. And even in the space where, okay, I've still got lust to resolve in my physiology. As I do my work, I get deeper and deeper moments of refreshment where I'm in that connected space and get to look at the next piece of work that I do. So I, I rest in a space that's beyond intellectual understanding, but is very experiential and very rewarding. I'd like to thank Julie Haverstick for helping me, for working on teaching me how to do these worksheets, because she has given me great enlightenment on, on, just how, to, on how to do it. Amazing. Thank you, thank you, Julie. Thank you, Mike, for having, having her around. She's amazing. She's the one that's opening these well, channels. Well, you have to thank her for having her. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to thank her for having her around. Um, I didn't have much to do with it. She showed up one day and just, you know, she just stayed and helped, which is pretty awesome. Oh, my gosh. She's amazing. Thank you, Julie. And maybe, she, if you're on. maybe she's out there and has something to share with us. Is Julie out there, Jeannie? Um, Julie, if you're there, press 1. It'll pop your number up. Otherwise, I don't see her. Okay. Yeah, if you've got something you want to say, it's always best to push one because if, if Jeannie's looking, even if she's got your phone numbers, a long list of numbers to look through to find it where when you push your one, it, you drop, you jump to the top of the list and your hand goes up. So so anyway, yes, I, I'm, I'm with you in uh, giving Julie appreciation for the support in, uh, in understanding the worksheet and, uh, and sharing her wisdom with us and all the years that she's, uh, she's worked with the tool and the development of uh, working from, you know, early childhood upward with that tool and developing a deep understanding is awesome. Hey, also, it looks like and I might be so moving Cap to Dayton, Ohio. Oh, really? Yeah, they look oh, like um, 
Yeah, they called me and asked me if I wanted a better position up there, so I said yes, so they're just working it all out now. Very cool. That's interesting. You'll be back in her home stomping grounds. Where? Dayton, Ohio is where Julie is originally from and where we first met her. We actually were speaking at the university there, and uh, Julie showed up, and she was an inner-city school teacher and uh, just took to the work like a duck to water. And Jean's got a question for me. Ah, full circle. Yes, 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 that's an interesting circle. Cool, and Terry Bowling, Jeannie tells me, is with us, and so I wonder if uh, if Terry's got something to share on the whole conversation. We've covered a lot of ground in 45 minutes, so Terry, welcome, sir. Hey, bud. Yeah. Hey, good to hear your voice. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wanted to put a little perspective out there on um, one of the things that I, I kind of hammer, hammer away at and uh, recovery, folks, is that First, you got to stop using drugs, <clears throat> and uh, and the whole uh, uh, money that's being uh, poured into Suboxone and Methadone and all that kind of stuff to me is criminal, and that's just my personal opinion. It just keeps people in uh, a, a state of limbo. Because when I when I came when I got clean, Michael, oh, like can I? Um, yeah. Huh? Can you hear me? Well, I wanted to, I wanted to throw in. Did you were you here with last week's show, the early part of the show where Doctor Andraki spoke about how he uses Suboxone as he assists people who are having trouble getting free of, you know, who can't quit and and just can't find the willpower to do that, but using that as a temporary tool to move them through as he teaches them their work. And then, you know, ultimately is able to free them from from everything. So there's, you know, he certainly gave us another perspective. If you didn't hear that last uh, last Wednesday. Well, I'm I'm willing to hear, but I'm going by what I see, you know, in the, what I call the battlefield, and on the front there, just droves and droves of addicts getting pushed through this stuff, and they don't really get clean until they quit. And that's what I see. Well. Yeah, and of course, like every other tool, there are tools that can be used and misused. Where Dr. Andraki <coughs> is not, you know, herding cattle through a machine to uh, to manufacture money. You know, he and his wife give up their own time with a uh, a mind shifter support group each week in their medical office to support people doing the work that it takes to get free to do what needs to be moved through. So, so there is certainly another perspective there. That's right, and he may be having some success with that, and I'm certainly willing to to hear a little more about it. Actually, we had probably pardon me, April seventh, yeah, April seventh, the opening, right at the beginning of April seventh show. You might want to give that a listen. That's where Dr. Andraki speaks about that, and we've had over the last um, year or so probably I don't know how many different people. Uh, in the range of a dozen or more people who've contacted us and thanked us for the forgiveness process and the fact that Dr. Andraki introduced them to it as he helped them to move and that it saved their lives. So there's a, and, and what he's talking about doing is packaging this in a way that other providers who, who don't know what to do, who, I mean, where do you find the technology of how do you remove the root of your pain on planet Earth? Where where do you go for that? And so there are, you know, providers out there that just don't have a clue because they don't have the tool. And uh, so 
one of his commitments is to uh, to start to make that this tool available to providers so that they can and and you've heard me say it before on the show and I've said it and it doesn't matter whether I'm in agreement with you on any kind of drug any kind of treatment process that doesn't include healing is is criminal I I'm in agreement with you so you you send somebody in for treatment for the ABC disease and you give them a drug that changes their so-called chemistry and allows their symptoms to change. So they say, well, see, now I'm better. And then along comes a whole other series of symptoms with that drug. They haven't, haven't done anything to benefit the person, just relieve them of their symptoms. But then when you hand them healing along with it, there's the key. And uh, so that's what uh, Dr. Androcki is doing very powerfully. And we've been hearing from his, uh, his patients, the impact of, uh, Several people just simply straight up come up with the words that have saved my life. So it's pretty cool to watch. So what are you supposed to do when your drug is free, readily accessible, and the biggest rush is when you get paid to use it? What you do, what what you do, is you do the next worksheet. You do the next right thing, and you use the tools you've got. Every one of them. Every one of them. So here's because the mind, you know, the mind, the 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 great liar can always come up with a thousand stories for why I should continue, and I have to make a commitment to do something different. Go ahead, Terry. Yeah. So uh, all these things can be stepping stones towards the goal of getting clean and actually really digging in and doing the work that we're talking about doing here. there's there's a, a a process I guess for each individual, and uh, it's all different. I certainly have went through some some different uh, methods of uh, treatment and you know and that kind of stuff over the years before I actually got clean. And um, but I know that once I got to that point, I was addicted to the opiates, uh, alcohol, tobacco, cocaine, and the needle, the adrenaline rush from the needle. I was shooting the and uh, I had to get to the place of death, and then I was on an IV for five days, you know, a drip medical thing in a hospital. And um, at the end of the five days, the doctor came in and had the nurse take it out. And he says, well, you're going to make it, it looks like. And he says, uh, good luck, Mr. Bowen. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't have anything I can offer you. And then he left the room. <laughs> it's like she had no hope. It's like you just, you know, whatever happens, happens kind of thing. But that was the turning point in my life. And um, I, I just had to go through the pain of uh, that uh, uh, detoxification process to get to that point. Now, I'd done it many other times before, different ways and different methods, and I was over the while that each one was a, a step in the process. And, and sharing with one of my guys uh, Monday night, he uh he had been on methadone for three years and uh, really, you know, had, had a mixed success. And he said, and he's clean from it now for a year and a half. And uh, I said, so what, did, what was it? What happened? And he says, I just had to get willing to experience. I was willing to do whatever it took. So I was able to lay it down then and experience the pain that came along from the withdrawals. Uh, my, uh, uh, one of my best friends who, uh, uh, took me to my first uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. His daughter is a, a hardcore heroin addict now. I've been working on her for a couple of years and uh, just uh, 
of watching that whole process, and they're they're doing all kinds of stuff, anything they can to kind of help her move through it. And still, that, that she hasn't crossed the threshold where she's just really ready. And and that's up to each individual that, that uh, uh, how they get to that point where they can let it go. So that's kind of my take on it. And sadly, and sadly, and a lot of people never make it to that point. They're dead before they do. And that was one of the that was one of the points that Dr. Andraki made last last week as he was talking about you know putting people on uh, a substitute that they don't have to go steal and uh, prostitute themselves in order to have the money to do it, and that that gives them a breather if they're being handled the tools of forgiveness and healing and doing their work. And you know Dr. Andraki has a standard: if you won't do your work, then you won't work with me because I won't work with you. You just won't take them as a patient. People have to be willing to do their work. So somebody like your friend, you know, I'll hold the space that uh, that she lives through what it takes for her to hit the wall finally and 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 make the shift. And she might want to look for some support that takes her out of whatever behavior she has to do to afford the habit that she's got. And that was, I think, that was one of the points that Dr. Andraki made that really impressed me was, ah, there's there's a piece of the puzzle. One doesn't have to go steal or prostitute themselves in order to have enough money to keep up that opioid habit that's become so you know, expensive on the street, they can get relief from that and then begin to do their work. And so it's definitely a, uh, a complex challenge, and our culture is just so riddled with, uh, with opportunities to, uh, to anesthetize instead of function as a true human being, and that's it's just a, it's a huge challenge of the culture. You know, I was, there's not far from where we, uh, we're staying here in Florida. There's a, uh, a very large liquor store and I walk by and it's like, it's really interesting that we live in a culture that says, I have the right to take in all of this substance that I want and put it in my body, causes my blood cells to coagulate cuts brain flow or blood flow off of my brain, reduces inhibitors, and has me doing behaviors that I would never otherwise think about doing. I have the right to do that every day of my life and just walk into a store and get it. And, and it's a commercial, huge, huge money-making commercial business that keeps that going. I mean, you take a look everywhere you turn. I mean, if it's not being sold with sex, it's being sold with alcohol. You know, it's just so bizarre, and uh, it's and and I I love what uh, right back from the very beginning we started just talking about uh, addiction. What uh, what Gail shared with us is that if it rolls off, if it blows off, if I roll it, whatever I, I don't have the phrase down, but it's the sign of a deeper spiritual problem. And when I can when I can own that, I have a deeper spiritual problem. I can begin to move upward and heal. And that's what we're here to support, is the healing of every mind, heart, and being on the planet, whatever their addiction is. The recovery, coming back to the truth of being as love, and whether it's money or sex or stuff or some sort of substance, to come back to the truth. You are made of this stuff called love. You're designed to live as love. And we're here to support you in doing that. Thank you for joining us. Pass the show along to someone. Bring someone to share with us tomorrow. Blessings. At Chisilla Morgan's <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael Jeannie or Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.